We're glad that you're here today and that we hope you are here as men and women who are happy in the Lord because he provides for us and we know the favor that he has bestowed on us. And as our brother has already pointed out, we listen to our Lord, we trust him, and we are obedient to him. That is where we find the real and lasting happiness is by doing what the Lord has asked us to do. We know, as we quoted from in our Bible class period this morning, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by God's word. And so working in reverse, we use God's word where we can then listen and hear so that we can produce the faith that is necessary in order to be more faithful to our God. And that's what we're talking about today, is this idea of listening carefully to our God. And what that means and what that does not mean is the focus of our time together this morning. I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. We'll go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, where our brother John read for us a few moments ago. But I want to start in Luke chapter Uh, eight here and welcome those of you that are visiting as our brother has already pointed out we have a number of people who are new to this community or are visiting with us for the weekend and we are glad that you've taken the time to be with us and you are an encouragement to us in Luke chapter 8 and verse 18 there's a statement that is made in the very first part of that verse that says take heed how you hear or be careful how you listen. And so there's, there are different ways of listening. And uh, we know that because of the relationship that we have with our parents sometimes where we don't listen as well as what we should. Uh, sometimes we as men maybe deservedly uh, aren't as good of listeners as we should. Uh, we aren't active listeners when it comes to what our wives are telling us to do or what they're suggesting for us to do. And maybe even in the workplace, we struggle sometimes to listen carefully to our supervisor to make sure that we get the job done right and get it done in a timely manner. The same is true when it comes to listening carefully to our God, where he says here, take heed how you hear. Be careful how you listen. I want us to start with the context of this particular verse. We know that if you go back about 10 or 12 verses that Jesus has just recently talked about his choice to use parables to get the people to listen more attentively and to get the message more accurately. And so we see that back in verses 1 through about verse 10 where he talks in parables, the parable of the sower being the first of those and why he uses that as a method for teaching. The objective, it seems to me, is outlined very nicely in verses 9 and 10 of the text where it says, what does this parable mean? And he says, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And so he begins then to explain this parable of the soils or the parable of the sower, with which we are familiar and is not the focus of our time together 
today. When you drop down to verse 16, he says, No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed. He says that makes no sense. Rather, a lamp is lit or a light is turned on so that you can illuminate the area surrounding it. He says, for nothing in secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that it will not be known and come to light there in verse 17. And then verse 18, the, the real focus of our statement of our sermon this morning, therefore, Jesus says, take heed how you hear, for whoever has to him more will be given, whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him. And so it seems to me as I'm reading through the attitude that the individuals have here and the concern that Jesus has here is that Jesus is, shall we say, upset, bothered by, offended by, concerned with what I would call poor listening skills of the very people who should know better. And so we've got to be careful the way that we listen. Now we don't listen although we do on occasions like this when we come together and listen to a sermon, but we listen by reading God's word and by hearing it presented on occasions like this. And it seems to me that the warnings of Christ about being careful about how we listen is just are, are just as important today as they were some 2,000 years ago. So what I'd like to do is just talk about a few examples of careless listening and then talk about some examples of careful listening. And this will be, in some ways, uh, a practical as well as pragmatic lesson for us. Let us start with one example of careless listening, the kind of listening that Jesus says, I don't want you listening that way, but it's the idea of listening only for things or to things that are pleasant to the ears. And we can be guilty of that. And certainly in the religious world today, there are people who only want to hear things that are pleasant to their ears. And that goes back to the heart of 2 Timothy chapter 2, or 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2, 3, and 4 primarily. And I appreciate our brother John reading that particular text where, and, and showing us the context in which the Apostle Paul is writing these things. But he says there is a time coming and that time is now, that time has been present now for 2,000 years, but the time is here when they will not endure sound doctrine, verse 3, but according to their own desires because they have itching ears. We know what it is when your ears itch or when something itches, you want to scratch it. You will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Now, my question would be, and it comes with an obvious answer as outlined in passages here in 2 Timothy and elsewhere, is what kind of people would this include? Individuals who only want to hear things to make themselves feel better or that it sounds pleasing to us. Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you back up just a chapter in verse 2, it says, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They will be boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. They are traitors. They are headstrong, 
haughty, and they are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people, I want you to turn away. Those, it seems to me, would be a category of the people that we can be guilty of becoming or being lumped into simply because we only want to hear things that are pleasant to our ears. It seems to me that 1 Corinthians chapter 5, which is beyond the scope of our time together today to read, is an example of preaching that would be unpleasant. I mean, if someone comes and says, it doesn't matter what you believe, it doesn't matter what you practice, it doesn't matter what your marriage situation is, it doesn't matter how you're raising your children, it doesn't matter how you are conducting yourself in the, in the job force, it doesn't matter how giving or selfish you may be, all things are, are good to go in God's presence, and we are not here to cast judgment on anyone. And you can go to religious assemblies today and, and hear that kind of teaching. And we've got to be cautious to make sure that we don't teach in that form or fail to teach in the more appropriate form and therefore be guilty of what they were guilty of in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 in the first place. Which brings us then to this question, and that is what about us today. Let me just share with you two or three things here in our first example here, and that is we are sometimes uh, want to fail to listen for things that are going to require some sort of change. I don't want the preacher to tell me that I've got to change my attitude or change the way that I prioritize my finances or change the way that I spend my time or the friends that I'm with. I don't want to be told that I've got to live my life differently or similarly, refusing to listen for something that might be critical of my choices. You will from time to time hear from this pulpit preaching that says your choice to act in that way, to engage in that gossip, to be with those kinds of people, that that is inappropriate and that is wrong. And you will hear that taught from in Bible classes because we're teaching the Bible, in sermons because we're presenting messages from God's word. Similarly, the whole concept of being offended by anything that casts judgment on my own choice or my lifestyle. Who are you to tell me that I can't live happily with whomever I choose to live or to be married? Study or preaching or the teaching in which we are involved that never results in self-reflection is in vain. And so we want to be not confrontational, nor do we want to be offensive just for the, for the sense of shock and awe, but we want to teach the truth because we want to not just teach the things that are pleasant to the ears. And so when it comes to baptism and its essentialness for salvation, when it comes to marriage, divorce, and remarriage, when it comes to partaking of the Lord's Supper and why we do that and why we do that as frequently as we should, these are things that may be bothersome to those in the religious world, but we teach the truth and we let the chips fall where they may. That brings us to a second example of what I would call careless listening, and that is listening only to reaffirm that which I already believe. Now, there's nothing wrong with hearing things that you already believe. In fact, 
I would, I would venture that when we come together on occasions like this, especially when you have people who have been saints for 25 or 30 or 40 or 50 years, you are very often going to hear things that you've heard time and time again. And I am not saying that that's a bad thing. I, I would argue that's a very good thing, that you are getting consistent messages that come not just from a man, but come from God's word. We, though, need to be like the Bereans in all things who were concerned with spiritual matters and whether or not the things that they were learning, the things that they were hearing were being matched up. We often talk about the Bereans, but I want to make just a couple of observations about the Bereans here in Acts chapter 17. It's a group of individuals who were, it seems, very studious, uh, very conscientious and very concerned about making sure they did what was right. And it says here in verse 10 of chapter 17 that the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went to the synagogue of the Jews. And it says that these were more fair-minded. Some of you may have a translation that talks about them being noble-minded than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness and they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Let me share with you just three quick observations from this particular text. One of those is that their priority was spiritual and that they went into the synagogue. If you go and study the book of Acts, notice all the times that Paul would go into the synagogue or that another teacher would go to the synagogue. That's the idea of trying to engage in spiritual activity, have spiritual conversations, and engage in spiritual things. Secondly, they were ready to receive the word. They had their Bibles open. I, I know they didn't have their Bibles open in a traditional sense that we might have ours open or, or logged on to. More about logged on in just a couple of moments. But thirdly, they actively sought the truth. They weren't seeking to find something that would just jive with what they had always believed, but rather they were wanting to listen to see where they were in relation to God. And it seems to me that Jesus is one who taught this very important principle on a number of occasions. One of those that comes to mind for me is there in Matthew chapter 19 and in verse 16. And I do want to read those four or five verses here rather quickly here. But in Matthew chapter 19, you're familiar with this particular text in verse 16. He says, someone came to him. Matthew records this. One came and said to Jesus, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have or inherit eternal life? And so he answers and he says in verse 17 of chapter 19, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man, in my mind, kind of looks at himself in the mirror and says, I'm glad to hear that. That's what I've been wanting to hear because that checks out with everything that I've been doing all my life. He says, I've been doing this from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus says, if you want to be perfect or you want to be complete, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have, great, have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Matthew says, for he had 
great possessions. You know, when you read verses 16 through 20, and he delineates all the good things that he has done, he was already aware of this. It's clear, though, it seems to me that he wasn't ready to listen to verse 21. He wanted to hear the things that he had heard all those years. And so it's kind of like when you come on an occasion like this and you hear a sermon or a Bible class and someone presents an idea from the scriptures that you've never found before, but indeed it's true. I can't act that way. I can't have that relationship. I've got to conduct myself differently. Rather than saying, well, I don't want to hear anything new. I just want to hear the things that I've always heard. I want it in my neat little box. We've got to make sure that we're willing to hear exactly what God wants us to hear. And Christians today must be careful and always be considerate of the need to examine and then re-examine regarding what it is that we believe. And that's why we've got to be cautious with the notion that this is the way we've always done it. This is the way I've always lived. It was good enough for my grandparents. It's got to be good enough for me. There are mistakes that our grandparents made, and there are errors that others have made. And just because we've done something a particular way for 15 or 20 or 25 years doesn't always make it right. We've got to make sure that we examine those things and not be guilty of careless listening. A third example of careless listening is listening with a stubborn mind that's already made up. You know, it's easy to study the Bible and have your mind made up and say, I'm not going to allow anything to penetrate into my, my brain. But remember, we must listen to God's word more than the men who share it. Go back to Matthew chapter 12. Uh, while you're there in Matthew chapter 19, go back just seven chapters to Matthew 12. And I want to read verses 22 through 24. And 22, it says, one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed. And this is, could this be the son of David? Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Jesus, it says in verse 25, knew their thoughts. And then he says, every kingdom that is divided against itself will not stand. It is abundantly clear from this teaching and others that their minds were already made up. In fact, if you go back to verse 14 in the text, it'll say the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. That was their intention. They were not there to listen in a careful, legitimate way. And there are people who will come to you knowing that you are a member of the Lord's church. There are people that will come to you knowing that you are a Christian and they will try to trip you up with a question and they will try to find error in something that you say. And it will not be genuine in the way that they approach you. And that's part of being a Christian. Now we've got to see through that and we still give them the correct answer and and go to the book, chapter and verse. 
but I understand that there will be people that will not be there to carefully listen. Well, let's spend the rest of our time looking at three examples of careful listening, and one of those is listening attentively, being attentive in the way that we listen. And some people do that with their body language. Some people do that with their eyes. Some people do that by taking notes. Some people do it in all kinds of different ways. And whatever is necessary for you to to listen, that's what's important. Incidentally, preachers and Bible class teachers can oftentimes tell if someone is listening in an attentive way. We can see what's going on most of the time. So we see the sleepers. No, I'm kidding. We, we don't. No, none today, at least not now. Everyone's awake now. <laughs> we see that and we can see. But, and, you, and let me just step aside for just a moment for what I was going to say. This is a group of people that listens very attentively, generally speaking. It doesn't mean that we can't do a better job of matching the spirit of the Bereans. These early Christians were criticized for their failure in this area. Go back to Galatians chapter one, where he says, if someone comes to you and teaches you something that is contrary to what you've heard, be careful with the way that you listen and don't buy into that false message. Remember what John said in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1 in that letter that we studied just two years ago with our brother Bruce? In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Might I paraphrase that a little bit and just say, don't believe everything you hear. Check it out to make sure that it is actually accurate. Be wisely and responsibly critical of anything a man says. Now, be responsible in that, but be wise at the same time. So when someone comes and suggests something that just sounds completely off the wall with everything you've ever heard in Bible class and everything you've ever heard in worship services, it doesn't mean that he is wrong, but it may mean that you need to listen attentively and listen with the spirit of, I want to see if this is really true or not. Let me suggest to you, secondly, that careful listening, going back to Luke chapter 8, verse 18, is listening with a desire to grow. And I can be guilty of it from time to time, and listening to a sermon, whether it be a sermon from David, sometimes a sermon that I wrote myself, or a gospel meeting, that I might say, well, I'm just going to listen and just kind of, uh, I'm just going to check out for the next 30 minutes or so. No, we must listen attentively and with a desire to say, how can I grow? What's, what's one thing that I can get from this sermon? And I would challenge you. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think no matter how bad the preaching may be, and you don't have bad preaching here, at least half the time. I'll let you figure out the other half. No, we have good preaching here because it comes from the truth. But sometimes we, we may get a little bit long-winded. We may get a little bit dry. We may not get the point across as, as accurately as we really want to get that. You can get something out of every sermon 
out of every Bible class, I guarantee you that will help you grow and help you be a better child of God. I can say that with, with complete confidence, even in spite of the fact that sometimes I'm like, that sermon wasn't that good, Leland, and I may need to change some things in the way that I approach that. But every time we read, every time we hear, every time we listen, we need to be trying to figure out something new to make ourselves better. It reminds me of 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 5. Uh, I did a sermon a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, on that particular text. I'm sure you remember it very well. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, the word that is used there is diligence. We know what the word diligent means. Someone who is diligent in the workplace is someone you want working with you or for you. Someone who is diligent in the classroom, you want as a partner on your team project. Someone who is diligent is what elders dream about in people working in a local congregation. And the fact is, is he wants diligence, but we've got to exercise caution here. We've got to exercise caution by saying, well, this doesn't apply to me. Or how about this? Have you ever listened to a sermon? And I'm going to maybe step on some toes here because I, I'm going to step on my own as well. But sometimes maybe it's a first principles sermon. It's a very basic, this is why water baptism is necessary. And say to yourself, well, I'm too advanced for this. I've been a Christian for 37 years. I've heard this sermon or this kind of sermon now uh, 37 times in my life. I don't need to hear that again. I would go maybe as far as to say that the very moment you say, I don't need to hear this anymore is the moment you need to hear it. If that makes sense what I'm saying. And I see heads nodding up and down as if you understand what I'm saying. Let me suggest to you thirdly, I don't have a problem with this sin. I don't have a problem with gossip. So why are we studying it? I don't have a problem with, uh, with uh, immorality and choices that I make. Someone does. Or someone that you care about will, and they're going to struggle with it as well. Let me suggest to you, thirdly, we should listen with a sense of seriousness. Now, I'm not saying that we have to be stone-faced in the way that we study and we can't smile in the way that we listen to sermons because David and I like it when you smile from time to time if it's a comical moment. But we appreciate the seriousness with which you approach the study of God's word. Remember, you are responsible for your own salvation, not someone else. It will not be a situation on the day of judgment where you appear before the great judge and say, well, I would have done what was right, but the preacher didn't preach as effectively as he could have. That won't work. It may be that the preacher wasn't as effective as he could have been because maybe he was lazy or maybe he didn't study as much as he should, but you are responsible for your salvation. You won't be able to point to your parents and say, my mom and dad were churchgoers and they were obedient. You will stand before God and give an answer for the way that you have lived and no one else will answer for you and no one will answer for me. Consider, if you would, the spirit of God's people in the days of Ezra. Remember where it says they stood for three to six hours, depending on the way you calculate the time of day? 
they stood for hours listening to the word. I'm not suggesting that standing or sitting is, is better or worse. Sometimes standing is a good thing uh, when we sing a song, when we pray together, when we read together. But they were serious about listening to the word in an era where not everyone had access to a copy of the Bible as you and I have an access to. And what are some ways to make sure that we are serious about how we are listening? Let me conclude with three just simple practical observations about how we listen in a careful and in an attentive and serious way. One, and this, again, I'm I'm not trying to be judgmental of those that just want to listen, but I would suggest that open Bibles help. If you are in a Bible study or listening to a Bible sermon, having a Bible that is open is helpful. Now, you may say, well, well, of course, that's, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. But if you never open your Bible, whether it be when you're listening to a sermon like this or you don't do so throughout the course of a week, or let me go a little bit further, here we go with some more toe-stepping, and that is, if the only time your Bible is open is on Sunday and on Wednesday, I think we can all agree, and I, I hope we can all agree, that's not enough. If the only time your Bible is open is for an hour or two on Sunday and an hour, hour and a half on Wednesday, that's not enough. We are not living up to the mark of serious Bible students, and we are not listening carefully, which is what Jesus asked us to do. Let me suggest to you that when we read our Bibles, when we come together on occasions like this, that we do our very best to reduce distractions, both publicly and privately. And let me just suggest to you just a thought, and this is not a criticism of those that use electronic versions, but I'll tell you that for me, Uh, using an electronic version in a setting like this, it'd be very hard for me. Some people are able to tune out distractions. But the moment an email comes through, I'd be like, well, who's emailing me on Sunday at 9.45 in the morning? It might be something important. And it may be something important, and someone may need to get in touch with you. But just be cautious with electronics is all that I'm saying. Because, you know, you might be getting ads for Cyber Monday coming in. And you might want to say, oh, I want to make sure I get that ad taken care of. This preacher's going a little bit long today. So just be cautious with those things. I'm not saying that only faithful Christians use print versions. That's not what I'm saying. I use digital as well from time to time. And let me suggest to you third, and I use this phrase a couple of times because of a preacher friend of mine, and some of you uh, are familiar with my preacher friend. And the idea is trying to hear as if you're experiencing it for the first time, that you're looking at it for the first time, that you're hearing it for the first time, that you are listening to that story, that parable that you've heard read a dozen times in the last year or so. I want to listen to it for the first time, like I'm hearing it for the first time. That's not always easy to do, but it is important to do because the messages found within this book, within this volume, are the very messages that will allow us to stand before God on the day of judgment and say, I've listened carefully. I've heeded the warning of Christ by not being careless, but by being careful. And that's what we want to be. We want to be individuals who are serious students of God's word. And I trust that the fact that 
in a time of year where it's a very busy uh, season with family and friends and work commitments, the fact that you're here on a Sunday morning is probably a testimony to the fact that you are a, a, at least a uh, serious student of God's word. But I also trust that all of us can probably be more serious in studying God's word in the future than we have in the past. I think all of us can improve somehow in listening carefully, publicly and privately when we study our Bibles. If we can help you this morning to do what the Lord has asked us to do, what he has commanded for us to do, we would welcome the opportunity to study with you. There are a host of men and women that would be willing to take their time to study with you and to answer your questions. And if it takes six months for you to get to the point where you say, I'm now ready to be baptized, we'll wait six months. Now, we hope it won't take that long. We hope that you'll be ready to become a child of God as soon as possible because time is fleeting and today is the day to make the choice to do what is right. If you are a child of God and you're not living correctly, you've made some sort of error in your life. If it's something privately, the Lord has provided Jesus Christ as an advocate for the forgiveness of those sins as outlined in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, chapter 2, and verse 1. If you are ready to become a Christian today, we'd welcome that opportunity. If we can help you or strengthen you, encourage you, or pray with you, let us know while together we stand, while we sing.